show this is the magician and the fool podcast we are on episode number 50 my name is dominic i am one of the co-hosts of the show the other host's name is janice you'll hear from him in a little bit today we are honored to have a very special guest on the show the special man king james a respected palero from new orleans louisiana he's been practicing for quite a long time i think he said 30 years and he brings some really valuable insight and wisdom and a down-to-earth perspective that is sort of unique nowadays. We found the conversation really interesting and helpful, and we hope you do too. You can connect with Jimmy at Potions, Powders, and Sundries on Instagram. Thank you to our Patreon supporters who are on this journey with us. We put in the time and the energy, and our supporters keep things running. It's a symbiotic relationship. If you'd like to help keep this work going, head over to Patreon, look us up, and do what you can. We dedicate this to Hermes and Asclepius, and may any merits that we accumulate doing this work be distributed to all sentient beings, so that they, together with us, may equally realize awakening. very excited and pleased to have uh, the special man jimmy aka king, king james aka tata kiyumba on the show uh welcome to the show we're looking forward to this thank you much thank you yeah, much great to have Appreciate you it. on good to be here cool man so uh let's start at the beginning that's probably the best place to start um, sure. just to get people familiar with you and, and your perspective where you're coming from um Maybe tell us a little bit about your background, um, what you practice, and maybe how you got into it, and then we can just flow from there. Sure. 
Well, I moved, I moved to New Orleans as a teenager. I was a, a late teenager and um, about 19, 19 years old. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and pretty, pretty rapidly found myself in trouble with the law. And uh, that, uh, long story short, kind of led to me finding people that could help me with mm. some things that were going on with me. Um, they, um, it got to the point where like, you know, I, I, I felt even as a kid, like 19 years old, you know, that, um, I couldn't check the mail in the morning without cops trying to lock me up. Like I just had this stink on me, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I, it was just very palpable. Like it, I just felt like everywhere I went that people were looking at me funny, you know, it definitely just heavy, attention from police and 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 the like so uh you know i found myself in jail and then i got out but i was a, a fugitive from the law and uh you know i not to get too long-winded but had, had had a strange childhood um as far as as far as i knew it was strange and as far as you know the the friends and people I grew up with friends and relations, it was strange, uh, interacting with spirits and like, but, um, you know, it was, it was funny because, um, what basically what I'm trying to describe is it's, I, what I came to realize was that this was like a twasa, like a, like, um, my spirits were like, yo, Jimmy, get integrated, man. You know? And uh, but I, I was raised in a culture that ain't your society that that doesn't deal with that kind of thing. You know, when when these things happen to me as a kid, like my grandmother tried to just take me to church a little extra, you know, like uh, there was no um, I was showing clear signs of uh, need for initiation, but nobody knew those signs, you know, including myself. I was having, you know, experiences with spirits that to me were just you know, recurring nightmares that I thought, mm-hmm. you know, and then puberty uh, made all that stop. I, I didn't really, I wasn't aware of it at the time, but looking back, that's what it was. Puberty stopped it. And then, uh, you know, just a few years later, I found myself in New Orleans being chased by the police everywhere I went until, uh, until I met a palero man who was like, bro, you are all kinds of jacked up. you, you are dirty, what we call dirty. You you need you, your spirit needs to be cleansed. You 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 need balance. You know what I mean? Like yeah. And he gave me two garbage bags full of uh, fresh herbs and told me to take a bath in these herbs. And and I did. And that that was the beginning for me. Uh, How did you I run into him? Well, funny enough. A roommate of mine was working at one of these goofy little hoodoo shops in the French Quarter. And the reader there, or or rather one of the readers there, one of the more personable older lady readers, she, um, in her bio, uh, hanging on the wall right there, it said, you know, initiate of Palomonte, right? And um, like I had mentioned earlier, I had questions about my childhood since you know, since jump. So I've been digging through every trash can of every world religion and metaphysical system, you know, since, since I was a kid. 
and I was um, I, I wasn't aware really of the African um, metaphysical systems at all, like at all, until I got down here, and then found myself surrounded. You know, I, I'm not going to give you the typical like goofy New Orleans is an enchantress you know story or whatever, but I, I got down here. And was uh, interacting with some pretty volatile forces that I hadn't encountered, you know, in my earlier days. Sure. And uh, and uh, I needed to get right. And and so turns out, you know, with without losing my focus, uh, turns out that this kind of thing is very common. Like somebody who needs initiation and isn't getting initiated is going to experience circumstances that are increasingly unpleasant. (laughs) That, that basically force you to, to the spirits, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what happens. So, you know, I, I hear about this Palo stuff. Next thing I know, I meet somebody who is supposedly initiated. Now she's gatekeeping and telling me that her padrino is in, in uh, Florida. I found out, you know, not too much later that he lived down the street, but she was gatekeeping and she told me he was in Florida. And that, you know, one day I might meet him, et cetera, that kind of thing. And um, and then check this out, just just to get right in there and get wet. I, I live I lived on an intersection at the time. I lived on a corner, uh, a big two story house. And I found a little black dog. Right now, I found out soon after that Sararanda, you know, the main spirit of, of a palero in his uh you know in his function as healer that's that's most of our work is done with the spirit of Sarawanda. so anyway Sarawanda work, walks with dogs right mm. and, and so i find this little black dog and i give it to the little kids on the opposite corner of the same intersection same side of the street but the other corner i'm like here you know i'm breaking bread with the neighbors i'm like here you guys little kids here's a puppy right they named the puppy Chachi, right? Then the little dog is killed by the railroad, by the by the train at the tracks, which we live right by. So we live at, at a crossroads by the railroad tracks, right? <clears throat> we find this little black dog. They give him to these two kids. They name him Chachi. The train kills the dog. A few days later, I'm on my way back to my uh, hometown to bury somebody. When I get back to New Orleans, a guy named Chachi picks me up where I was working, delivering food for a living. And he says, hey, I heard you wanted to meet me. Turns out it's the padrino of this Bourbon Street reader. And they just came. She told him about me. He's like, hey, let's go meet that guy. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. And boom. So that's why. And then, and, and he's, you know, he's, he's like, my name's Chachi. And I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> you know, because again, Sadaranda, you we interact with Sadaranda at the railroad tracks all the time, bro. Huh. Wow. That's crazy. So that, that's, that's, that's how it got started. You know, I got out of this bathtub and I couldn't see the walls. I, I could see the floor, but I couldn't really make out the walls. I felt like I was trying to run in a pool like under the water, like, you know, it's lots of labor just to get down the hallway. I, um, 
barely made it up into my little bunk bed that I made because I had a great Dane dog that tried to get into bed with me. So I built this big bed and uh, I slept probably 14 hours. Huh. Woke up like a prepubescent kid with a boner. Like, I don't mean to be crude on your podcast or whatever, but I mean, like I was full of the creative force of life. If you understand what I'm saying. And, um, I, I hadn't felt that fresh and clean ever, at least not in recent memory. And I said, wow, those were some plants in, in that bag of plants, <laughs> you know, but it was the spirits, man. And, uh, the plants just facilitate that kind of work, you know, Eurocentric views, materialistic views on life, you know, biomedical views like physics, all that. They they kind of get in the way of understanding uh, metaphysics, and so I don't deal with them so much. And they, um, like I said, they they kept me from understanding things clear back then that are pretty easy now. But that that's how I got into Apollo, man. I, I was struggling, I was suffering, I was I was running from the law. I was in a, a strange place, surrounded by volatile forces, and I met a, a palero who, uh, you know, here's the thing, like, you know, I had looked into other traditions already. I, you know, I, I had been in the Northwest. I was going to the, to the, all the t- typical, like, Freemasonic and, uh, you know, Oddfellow Hall library type places, mm-hmm. you know, all the usual haunts for uh, somebody living out there, you know. I, right. Yeah, I'd look through, you know, all the old books, you know, Egypt and India and, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I flirted with metaphysics for some time already, but when I first encountered the African systems and they were like, you know, instead of tie this goofy silk cord around your waist three and a half times and mm-hmm. say these hobbity bobbity words, and then, you know, do a little curtsy and all that kind of, that th- these folks were like, you want to get to know the spirit of the wind? Go outside when the wind's blowing. Mm-hmm. And it just was very resonant, you know, like it made sense to me, like viscerally. Yeah. And I and I started to realize, oh, wow, these cats, they're not talking about praying to deities and personify, you know, personified deities that, at all. They're, they're interacting with forces. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to get to know the earth, stick your hands in it. You know what I mean? Like. And, and so, you know, that was right there. Those kind of initial, uh, just simple, basic, natural truths that, that they stated so plainly and, you know, um, expertly that, um, you know, I was hooked right away. Like, it just made so much sense. And, and this was back when I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it still made all kind of sense. Yeah, I mean, it must have been different because you're you're meeting with people in a community who are like practicing this stuff like for real, and not just reading about like theories and and things that happened you know centuries ago. Like these people are are really in it, and they've been well, in no it. Th- these 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 um you know these initiatory kinship clans that we're talking about here, you know they they stretch back within a continuum that goes like at least ten thousand years. Yeah. You know they're they're carbon dating, you know. Uh, paintings in, in the caves of Lovo and, and whatever in, in Angola that are over 8,000 years old, you know, that, that, you know, that imply that the, that the system is even older. Yeah. You know, and uh, 
the thing is, when you start to learn that framework, this actual Bantu framework, you can look at all the different expressions of it through different epochs and different milieus and different, you know, societal pressures and just see how elegantly and expertly and how, you know, how uh, spontaneously this system is able to, to express itself. Mm. You know, uh, the difference, you know, between tradition and custom becomes very clear. The tradition, you know, the difference between uh, metaphysics and religion becomes very clear, you know. And so, uh, yeah, man, you know, as paleros, even even the old school, you know, like uh, religious Cuban types that they even them, you know, they invoke St. Thomas, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I need to see this stuff, you know what I mean, to believe it. So, yeah, we're very practical in that regard. Even if you look through, you know, the old historical records where, you know, we're talking about uh, Europeans observing the enslaved Africans. And their ways, you know, even back then, you know, where they're just, you know, of course, the West Africans were the majority in most uh, places uh, in the diaspora. Right. But can I jump in for a minute? Yeah, please go ahead, man. So I have a question for you. I don't want to put the cart before the horse here. Uh, Some of our some of our listeners are familiar with Paulo Monte, Paulo Mayombe, Ryumba, all of those things, but I think a significant portion of our listeners are probably unfamiliar with Paulo. Sure. So I was sure. wondering if you could maybe uh, give a breakdown of what Paulo Monte is, especially sure. the 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 line or tradition that you were initiated in. Sure, it'd be my pleasure. You know, uh, the simple fact is, like you know, in connecting to what I just said about these you know traditions going back some ten thousand years at least, um, Paulo which is just stick in, in Spanish, of course. And, and, you know, to be a palero is just the guy with the sticks, you know, and uh, which, you know, which, you know, it speaks to our relationship with the spirits of the forest and the, and the leaves mm. and, and the way that we do our work. So that's what it means to be a palero. But so these lineages, like I said, they stretch. But what, what, what anyone, any of your listeners can do at, at their leisure is just search Bantu expansion. Right. And if they do, what they're going to basically see right away is that everything south of the Sahara uh, on the continent of Africa has been touched by the Bantu, the entire continent. So sub-Saharan Africa is Bantu, you know, with exceptions. But but by and large. We're talking about heavy, heavy, heavy Bantu, and that that goes for all the different little groups now. Having said this, we're, 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 let's fast forward to the encroaching of the Europeans. You know, in Central Africa, that was the, the Portuguese. Are we all good? You're, yeah, you're good. Uh, okay. Janice j- dropped off and he's back on. Okay. Yeah, I just, I just lost lost for a minute, but I'm here. Keep going, okay, though. Keep enough. going. You're on a roll. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fast forward to the Portuguese entering Central Africa and disrupting all the you know, the traditional power structures, you know, the marketplace, er- everything, the political structure, the, 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 the economic structure, just everything was disrupted. And so the Gangas, you know, the priests, let's call them, you know, which it's not the right word, but that's the word we'll go with because we're talking to a Eurocentric listening uh, mm-hmm. listenership. So um, the thing is uh, th- they got together and they said, all right, you know, we, we need to deal 
with these uh, outside forces that are so disruptive. And they they went in and they started, uh, you know, organizing. They they took over the marketplace. They said, oh, well, you know, if you want pigs, you got to talk to our guy with the pigs. And if the pig guy wants corn, he's going to have to come talk to our guy with the corn. And basically they consolidated their power and their wealth, uh, you know, in order to counterbalance the ill effects of the encroachment of these Europeans. You understand what I'm saying? And this this speaks to the nature of our system uh, also, that, you know, it's all about balance and that everything that we suffer is just an imbalance and can therefore be counterbalanced. So we're not trying to change the world. We're just trying to get back to balance so that we can go back to doing whatever we want. So again, the encroachment of the Europeans, the, the transatlantic slave trade, as it's called. Um, and then, you know, we've got the Congo River, they call in Sadi uh, a lot. Now you've got these Bakongo, they're Bantu peoples that call themselves hunters, right? The Bakongo, that's what Congo means. You know, hey, who are you? They're like, oh, we're hunters. So anyway, the Congo Kingdom, right? And what we're talking about that ends up in Cuba and Haiti and Brazil and all this, largely, and, and this is very reductive, and this happened not on because of me, but because of the telephone game of history and because of, you know, just like a marketplace with its supply and demand, like things happen, mm-hmm. all right? Um, discrepancies are, are rounded out. You know, traditions are homogenized and combined, you know, uh, auxiliary, you know, fringe groups on the X on the on the, you know, on the borders. They, they kind of get lost. And you know what I mean? So yeah. but what by and large, you've got two sides to a river. Right. On one side, you have the Yombe people or Mayombe in plural. And then on the other side, you've got the Vili or Bavili in plural. Now, Vili and Mayombe, that, that's Briomba and Mayombe in, in, in uh, the Caribbean, which are basically what we're saying is that these are initiatory kinship clans that stretch back and exist within a continuum that, that goes back 10,000 years or so uh, in, in, in Bantu peoples that, that, that cover the entire continent of Africa and that right with the slave trade, uh, the Atlantic slave trade, you know, these members of uh, these different initiatory uh, clans from Central Africa, like like uh, Lamba and Quito, Kimpasi, uh, Kimba. There's a, there's all kind of different little groups, you know, like different clans, different initiations that a person could go through. And then with the transatlantic slave trade, a lot of these different initiates and members of these different kinship clans found themselves all in the same little island or whatever over here. And they compiled and combined all of their medicines and all of their little uh, customs and traditions. And that's how Palo was formed, right? That's how Petwo in Haiti was formed. Like if you, if you look into the history of, you know, uh, Haitian voodoo and, and the, what's referred to as the Petwo side, you'll, you'll soon find that, not only is that just Congo, but the old, oldest, uh, pra- you know, people that practice uh, Petro Voodoo, they still call it Lamba 
which is one of the names of these initiatory kinship clans in Central Africa, hmm. uh, uh, of which members, you know, are part of the people who started Palo also. So in, in other words, Petwo, uh, Voodoo, and, and Cuban Palo uh, share the same roots and the same framework, right? That's that's just a little something for you guys to know. But going back to it, so these different groups and all these different initiates uh, of these different clans that you know they com- they compiled their medicine and they combined their consolidated their power again in order to deal not with the initial encroachment of these Europeans, but now with the full tilt slavery and being taken to the Caribbean, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's where a lot of this you know, reputation of Palo and, and, and Petro being chaotic or being violent or being like, you know, only about witchcraft because it was born out of these uh, needs to counterbalance very volatile forces that were disrupting, you know, families, clans, nations, like, you know, they were, they were completely and totally disruptive to these poor people. Mm -hmm. And so it required strong medicine, you know? Now, what people from the outside looking in don't understand is that that medicine that they're being, you know, pigeonholed for, that was just what was called for in that moment. But if you understand that the word lemba in Kikongo literally means to soothe, like how chaotic and violent is that? Mm -hmm. It means to soothe, you know? Now, they might be known for violence, but you got to remember that these are the exact same people that were not that managed not only to free themselves out from under slavery in Haiti, but in fact, you know, took power. So, I mean, you know, that lends, you know, a little credence to the idea that this is a very resilient system, right? So, again, Paulo me, my particular lineage. And this is why I told y'all to ask me questions because I could just talk in a million directions <laughs> and often do. But back to Palo in Cuba, you've got the Mayombe on one side of the river and you've got the Vili on the other side. Now, in Espanol, Vs often sound like Bs, you know? So Vili and Yumba, Yumba means spirit or ghost, right? Uh, soul, uh, depending on who you ask. But it's basically a word for spirit, okay? And so Vili Yumba implies the way that the Vili people worked with spirits, okay? And then Mayombe, that just means the way the people, the Yombe people work with spirits, right? But what y'all need to understand is that this is just, they're both Bakongo people that are expressing themselves spontaneously within the continuum of Bantu metaphysics that stretches back for thousands of years. <clears throat> so even these disparate clans and, and uh, whatnot look different on the surface. It, once you understand the framework, you realize, oh, wow, no, the only difference here other than physical, you know, region, regional differences, um, are, are, you know, are the forces that they're trying to counteract mm-hmm. in, in, their, in, in their epoch and in their milieu. So would it Does be correct... Sense? Yeah, so would it be correct to assume, well, not to assume, but to summarize, would it be correct in saying that these are kinship clans um, that work with natural forces to create balance and alleviate misfortune? In very simplistic and reductive terms, yes, yes. Now, you know, 
it more specifically, not just natural forces, but but both the ancestral creative force of life itself, which is the, the initial force behind the Big Bang, and natural forces, which we refer to as, you know, Basimbi or or you know Mpungu or Orisha or Lua or you know any number of, you know of words. So in other words, you've got the vertical and the and the horizontal. And, and so that's why I don't want to put them in the same category. I see. So speaking of the vertical and horizontal, can we talk a little bit about the Congo Cosmogram? <laughs> I mean, we already are, bro. So yeah, we can keep going. The, but the just ancestral. assume our listeners, just assume our listeners may be unfamiliar with it. So we need to that's start in basic terms, you know. Let's start with the ancestral, okay? Slash the vertical, slash the metaphysical, right? Look at look at the clock. Okay, pick take a circle, put a cross in it. All right. I can't remember what the Europeans call that, but everybody's got a circle and a cross, right? Uh, equal arm cross in a in a in a perfect circle. All right. The twelve, the six, the three, and the nine are the points of the cross on that circle, right? You with me? There's a line yes. from three to nine. That's the horizontal. And there's a line from 12 to six. That's the vertical. Okay. Now the top half of that circle is the physical world that we are talking to each other in right now. Okay. And the, the, the lower half of that circle, that's the metaphysical. Okay. Which is the world. Yeah. You know, people with European ears, they hear metaphysical or they hear underworld or they hear chthonic and they think all kinds of like devilish hellish stuff but what we're trying this is a metaphysical conversation yo and what what we're trying to say is that these are the pure forms behind all this matter mm -hmm. that is so ever changing and churning and reaching and grasping and desiring and failing and being born and dying the metaphysical is pure being Right. And, you know, gross materialists will have or they'll 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 feign difficulty in understanding or grasping the metaphysical. But then you say you're familiar with the Big Bang. Right. And they're like, yeah, of course. <clears throat> so here's Bantu, here's Bantu cosmology from thousands of years ago. First of all, there was this nothingness a type. It's a thing of sorts, but it's a nothing. And it was just full of random forces. This nothingness full of random forces, it became overcome by one force that we call Kalunga. Okay, and that doesn't matter, but it's just force of habit to explain it this way. Uh, this force became heated and began to expand under, this, under its force, right? This is the initial force that made the big bang happen, right? This is Bantu cosmology though, from thousands of years ago, the big bang theory is very contemporary in comparison, but they're describing the same thing. Then this thing, it expanded and expanded until it finally began to cool. And this is when the stars and the planets were formed. In other words, the material was formed from the cooling of this thing. In other words, until that stuff cooled and the materials formed, we're dealing with a world of pure force, and, and that is the metaphysical. In other words, these people have had a conception of it the entire time. 
because they learned about the Big Bang in what junior high. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the top and the bottom of the circle. The metaphysical is the bottom. The physical is the top. It's not below us, but rather kind of behind or underneath all of this crap on the surface. Like the physical is described often by the Bokongo as being the surface of the ocean, right? And and the rest of the deep, that's the metaphysical. In other words, the physical is but a fraction of what's really happening here, <laughs> right? And that's why we don't put as much emphasis on it. Our thing is about having one foot in each world, right? That's how we're able to affect change here in the in this world, by interacting with actual forces that can produce effects in the material and that can and do manifest themselves. Lightning, fresh water, salt water, fire, you know, the leaves on the trees. These are all natural forces. And it's hard for, uh, uh, like I said, European ears and eyes to grasp this, but these are all just pure metaphysical forces that we are but like vessels, like kind of like tubes or straws for to come up out the earth. That's why we don't wear shoes when we do polo, right? Because of these forces coming up out the earth and through us into the rest of the world, okay? So back to this cosmogram. We are conceived at the six on the, on the face of the clock, okay? That's where our parents do the do. Now, uh, <laughs> from there, we move toward the three because this is observational uh, astrology or excuse me, astronomy. So these are the movements of the sun. I forgot to mention that. And a, and a human being is a living sun, right? So we're conceived at the six at midnight. We approach the three on the clock, which is dawn, right? And that's when we're born, okay? That's a child being born. At the 12, that's the peak of your life, the, you know, the virility, you at your peak virility, sovereignty and all that health. And then you go, like we say, over the hill and you approach mm-hmm. the nine, which is a medical death, okay? And then that's also when you're born as a spirit again, approaching the six, you know, where you'll enter a womb and all that. And it's just round and round the wheel. Okay. So that's the cosmogram. Now, that's the, that's the easiest way to conceive of it initially. And then you learn over time that all of Bantu metaphysics can be explained on that, on that cosmogram with its help, you know, these dialectics. Uh, these polarities, these binaries, like uh, between the nine and the three or between the 12 and the six, you know, between life and death, between, between, you know, sky and earth, between land and water, between male and female, between health and sickness, between, uh, you know, uh, medicine and emotions, these are all helpful dialectics. And then, you know, then we learn that there's really no aspect of life that is outside the purview of the system. And, and then slowly you, you realize that all these little things that we do, all these little ceremonies or rituals, however you conceive of them, they're all just meant to slowly bring you to this place where you realize that everything that you do in life should be done with purpose and intent. And that, the focus should always be on creating balance between opposing forces with an understanding that that is how your own personal power 
which translates as both self-healing power and sovereignty here in the material. Because that's what's given, that's what's uh, shortened at our conception by the lack of balance between our parents. Right? So anyway, we just talk and talk and talk about this system from all these different angles. And you start to realize that the entire purpose of it is to first conceive of conceive children that are, are capable of enjoying the fullness of life's potential, then giving birth to them and raising them, then initiating them, welcome them into a community fully integrated, and then doing everything that you must in order to live fully until it's time to die. You know, because we know that when you lack this power, this self-healing power and sovereignty uh, that we often refer to as electricity, uh, we, we know that when you lack this stuff, you know, you know, you're more prone to like to a death, you know, with your legs cut off and half a mind and no loved ones around, hooked up to a machine, lonely and, you know, with no force. Mm-hmm. You know, so so. You know, people want to talk about witches and all this kind of crazy stuff, but it's really just about making it to the finish line. Hey, Jimmy, that was yeah. that was really awesome. Um, Two part question, just to kind of build on that. <clears throat> so, am I hearing this right that there is kind of a, a an acceptance of the idea of like a rebirth, reincarnation uh, type oh, situation? Certainly, and round then, and round the wheel. Okay, and so and also. Um, so what's going on between nine and six? Right, 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 Does that right, make right, sense? right, right. Well, uh, okay. Check this out. First, we're born as grandchildren. Okay. Then you're a child. Then you're a parent. Then you're an ancestor. Then you're a nature spirit. Okay. And okay. Another way to express that is die one time. And become Ganga, like me. Die another time, become ancestor. Die once more, become nature spirit. Mm. And, and this is the process. And then after that, it's rinse and repeat. <clears throat> this is why in West Africa, you've got names to this day, like uh, Iatunde and Babatunde, mother and father return. Because the spirit dies with the body, but the soul stays in the family. Right? Mm. And even... Even the spirits of nature, once you understand how they became spirits of nature, you understand that they were all once human beings, all of them. Okay, so what's going on between nine and six? That's, you know, what happens when a person dies until they become a, a full tilt simbi? You know, they're an ancestor. They're, they're, a, they're, a, they're a dead person. That's what happens between nine and six. You know, you go from being an ancestor to becoming Simbi. That's what happens. And then after that, womb, another womb. Cool, cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the, the simple fact is we could talk about any aspect of life through this lens. We could, or, or rather, we could talk about this lens from any angle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's really dealer's choice, man. But, so, um, and- it, there's there's definitely implicit in what you're saying there's a cyclical nature to things time yeah time is cyclical as opposed to the materialistic notion that it is linear okay now 
can I ask you what, you know, in your, in, within the context of what you're describing, sure. can I ask you what, what Nganga is? Because you sure. know, you're, just, you're describing Nganga on one hand as a, basically a medicine, medicine man or a priest, but also sure. isn't an Nganga a cauldron of sorts with certain okay. things Let, Let's it? discuss that because you're, you're not going to find anyone else like just go ahead and tell you this. And, and, it, and it takes a certain perspective. You know, the thing is knowledge accumulates, okay? And um, this, here's, here's the reason the telephone game of history, eventually the Nkisi ended up becoming called Ganga, okay? Like, it, you know, talk to nine out of 10 paleros and they're going to refer to their spirits as the Ganga. My Saravanda, oh, my Ganga this, my Ganga that. But the, the, the fact is, the person is the Ganga, okay? And, and the spirit that we keep in a, in a bag or in, a, in an animal's horn or in a bottle or in a seashell or in a pot or in a, in a basket or in a hole in the ground or in a doll or in a stuffed deer head or, you know, that's the, you got to understand the word in kissy. It, 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 we're, we're talking about a container of spirit or of metaphysical medicine, right? It's it, it and, and it, it, it implies the container and it could be anything like I could use a jar. I could use, you know, a skull. I could, I could, anything that will hold something that can be used, you know, you could use a box. You could use, you know, a piece of jewelry. You could use, like I said, a bottle or, or grandma's old cooking pot. You know, the thing about these uh, cast iron pots that we're so known for using is that, you know, in, in traditional Congolese society, you know, graves were often marked with belongings of the, de the deceased. So when grandma died, you know, and she was the cook in the family, her cooking pot went on the grave and, and that, and then it became a, you know, a funeral item. And then, and, 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 and the other thing is that these spirits were kept in the ground at one point, you know? Yeah. There's so many, so many different ways to express this stuff. And, and that's what has made it hard for, you know, outsiders to kind of pigeonhole it and to put it in a box and to, to delineate the system in any kind of clarity. A, because you don't have access to the community goods until you're a member of the community. And that's just lost on almost everybody. You know, why can't I just kick the door in and learn this stuff online? And, and then uh, and then the other simple fact is that people don't know what they don't know, you know. <laughs> but but to answer your question, hopefully, if I can remember it, it you know, it, is that um, Saravanda is the spirit of the Ganga, right? In other words... And this is where we I started to talk about the difference between the vertical and the and the horizontal or the ancestral and and the and the natural is that is is that Saravanda is is a part of the vertical, okay? And he's part of the white. He's part of what is public, what anyone can have access to so long as they have the affliction that brought them to Saravanda. In other words, we call Saravanda the Ganga. Because he is the spirit of the Ganga. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. That's the essential spirit of any Ganga. Is a is a is a is a white healing, you know, 
ancestral Ganga uh, uh, in Kisi. See, now I'm doing it. I, I prefer the word Prenda, which is also customary in Kuva, but uh, a little older. Um, you know, I'm the Ganga, okay? I am the Ganga, okay? And Saravanda is my Nkisi, all right? And I am Ganga Nkisi, all right? I am the father, the Tata Nkisi, father of Nkisi. In other words, I, they come from me, all right? A, a, a Lambo proverb is God exists because of the community. In other words, it's not the other way around, folks. The community doesn't exist because of God. Okay. Our spirits in Palo, we make them. Okay. We acknowledge four kinds of spirit only. And this goes for no matter what group or religion or metaphysical tradition we're talking about, no matter what time, no matter what place. There are only four kinds of spirit, and the first two are dead. We've got ghosts and ancestors, and the difference between the two is that ghosts are just problematic ancestors. In other words, they didn't make it all the way to the other side. They're stuck in the middle, you know, whether it be suicide, drug overdose, murder, hit by a bus, struck by lightning, drowned, or just didn't have enough juice to begin with to even make the journey, which is increasingly the case in this modern and progressive world where no one gives two shits about the metaphysical or the ancestral, which is the same thing. Right. But then, so that's, 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 that's a ghost. And the ancestor on the other hand is, is a spirit that is uh, mobile and not, not stuck. Right. And then those spirits go through another transformation. Like I said, they die again and become, a simbi or nature spirit, which is what people refer to as Lawa, as Mpungu, as Orisha, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the most common terms, you know, uh, in, in pop culture today. Anyhow. So, okay. So, the, and those are the first three groups of spirits right there. Ancestor, or excuse me, ghost, ancestor, and nature spirit, right? Now the fourth group, the final group is Inkisi. In other words, the, the spirits that are made by people like me, the Ganga, out of elements from those first three groups. Mm. Does that make sense? So that's a, that's a totally composite spirit. Exactly. Okay. God exists because of the community. You see how that works? We do not pray to lawnmowers and ask for short grass. We put gasoline in our lawnmowers. We pull that crank and start the lawnmower. And then we cut the grass ourselves with the technology that is man-made. Hmm. Do I understand exactly how the engine works? I'll be honest. No, I don't. <laughs> okay, but do you see what I'm saying? We do not pray to lawnmowers. We do not say, oh, great lawnmower spirit. Um, I want... I request shorter grass uh, and I've been a good boy. And so now I'm going to wait and see if you deem me good boy enough. And, it, and if you don't make my short grass, then I will just have to, you know, flail myself or try a little bit harder or, you know, pray a little bit louder. You see what I'm saying? We don't do that. We interact with natural forces that can and do produce effects and can and produce can and do manifest themselves. In other words, straight up natural forces. 
Okay. Do I pray to the initial force behind the Big Bang that we call the vertical, that we call the ancestral, that we call the white? Now, and just like the white, the natural, the rainbow comes from that initial force. In other words, the Big Bang gave birth to literally all things, including life and death. But I'm still not going to pray to that and picture it as some like guy in a robe with a beard or, or some funny hat or whatever. It's but can you force. communicate with it? Can you communicate with that force? Does that force have self-awareness that, and intelligence? That, it's, it's, it's the ancestral. It's, it's, you know, okay. So listen, now, now we're talking about God here basically. Right. And everybody knows whether we're talking about the Christians or the, or the paleros or the Hindus or whatever, it's triune, right? There's three aspects. Okay. There's the initial force. Okay. There's the white in other words, and then there's the rainbow or the sun, the offspring of that father, right? The white, you see what I'm saying? The white light, uh, the initial force of the Big Bang, the ancestral, that's, that's, you know, that's bon Dieu. That's Papa, you know, that's, that's God, the father, right? And then, and then all the different myriad forces that, that came from that initial force, that's the offspring slash child of God slash, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Child mm-hmm. of God. Then you have what? The Holy Ghost, right? That's that's at the intersection of the vertical and horizontal. Jesus, Legba, Lucero Mundo. I, I don't care what you call it, but it's at the intersection of the two. Now, you know, a Christian, they go and they cross, you know, they touch their forehead, their their breast, you know, and then they do their shoulders, you know. A parlero, you know, customarily goes in and says, Sambi arriba, Sambi abajo. Okay. God is above me. God is below me. God is around me. Right. The word Jesus is nothing but the four elements of Jorge Valje with the, with the fire and the crown and the wisdom tooth of the letter Shin put in the center of the four elements becoming Yeheshua. Okay. So in other words, you've got the initial force that gave birth to everything else which is the, which is like the, you got the white, you've got the rainbow, and then you've got the whole shebang in a basket with the bow on top. And that's what people call the creator. In Sambian Pungu, Olodumare, Bon Dieu, you know? But it, the, the, and, and then you hear like a naive, and I mean that in a, in a, in a textbook sense, not in some like derogatory sense, but, uh, you, you know, you hear an, a naive perspective of just not not somebody who's an actual, let's say, priestly class type, but just a person, you know, who's a member of a community. And, and they say, oh, we don't pray to God. He's too far away. We work with the spirits. Right. That's just a, a naive expression of the same metaphysical truth that you don't interact with the initial force. You understand what I'm saying? You interact with Lucero with Eshu, with Legba, with Jesus at the cross. And, and with, with that spirit, you interact with every other spirit. So in other words, when the Portuguese first came off of those boats and put that cross in those Congo's faces, they were like, yeah, 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 we already got that. 
And they were like, yeah, but we got this dude at the cross at the crossroads. And they were like, yeah, yeah. And then they were like, yeah, but he died and he comes back. And they were like, uh, yeah, that's what the ancestors (laughs) do. And they were like, yeah, but he did it to be helpful. And they were like, why else would we come back to this shithole? You know what I mean? (laughs) To help, bro. And in other words, what I'm trying to say is that the Jesuit priests didn't, you know, what you'll hear is, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll scratch the surface on these traditions or whatever, these metaphysical traditions that ended up in the Caribbean and then in the United States because of that. And, and, you know, you'll think, oh, it's Santeria that, you know, they've conflated their African spirits with these saints. That's not true. I mean, you know, graphic writing systems are the norm in Africa and and these uh, Catholic icons were nothing but graphic writing. You know, when you understand that, that Siete Rayo to a Palero is the spirit and force rather of sovereignty and of electricity and of, of the chief and of war. And then you look at the image and, and, and of redness and which is a, a traditional way to express power. It's the redness of the blood and of the heat of the sun and all that. Um, then you look at the traditional image of Santa Barbara in her red uh, gown with her crown and the electricity and the cannonballs mm-hmm. and the castle. It's a graphic, it's a firma. It's not, <laughs> Siete Rayo is not Santa Barbara, but do, do you see what I'm trying to say? It's, it, they recognize their own spirits in the drawings, in the pictures only. But, but the telephone game, again, you've got Cubans praying to the saints now. Or anyway, but I'm kind of losing track of my point on, 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 a, on, a, on the minutia. The, the point I'm trying to make is that at first you think, oh, these people have mixed their Catholic stuff with their African stuff. Then somebody who's read a few better books will say, oh, well, actually, they converted to Catholicism back in the Congo way before they even got over here. Right. And that's a little more true. But I'm here to tell you the absolute truth, which is that when they were presented with the Old Testament, they recognized Lemba in it. In other words, they said, oh, yeah, that's ours. We already have all that. They didn't convert. They just said, yeah, 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 yeah. We recognize all that. We have that, too. There was no conversion necessary. Lemba and, and, and the Old Testament ways are, are they're, they're almost identical. We, you know, we don't fool with uh, the New Testament, you know. Yeah, it's just code, you know. And, and, then, and then you learn about a little bit more about the way that we, we write and we express ourselves and the way we do our work in general. It's all coding and decoding. We code medicine into things. We decode the medicine out of things, you know. All the little knots that we tie, all the plants that we use, the reasons for all of that stuff. It's all coded medicine. Hmm. We're not playing with the biomedical properties of plants usually. I mean, if somebody's got a tummy ache, we will. <laughs> you know what I mean? If somebody's stressed out. So that brings me to two ideas, right? One is that there's a sort of semiotics in action oh, here. Oh, lots of semiotics. So if you could riff on that, and then the other is just maybe a little bit deeper, but the you know the very concept of medicine and the community. Well, okay. Everything is medicine. Let's start there. Everything is medicine. Everything. 
everything is medicine and it's all about where you're at you know i mean dom you know what's what's uh what's south of you is north of me what's what's east of you is west of me you understand what i'm saying it's all about where you're at mm -hmm. so there's no good there's no bad there's no east there's no west everything is medicine something that you might think of as poisonous right now is going to be the only medicine for some other type of imbalance right so the, how does that apply to the community basically you know the, the way this operates right in in, in uh, practical terms is somebody has some affliction or other they go to the ganga to the to the people with the drums and the spirits who then perform a divination you know and, and that could be any number of ways but it, you know like a like a mechanic at an auto body shop or, or you know at a service station rather they they check out your whole system they give you a readout they say oh you need an air filter you need a new transmission you know your spark plugs are bad right oh you need an oil change or whatever it's the same so okay first you get your diagnostic through divination then with herbal remedies usually which is you know one and the same with spiritual uh therapies we we balance the person out right because we understand that uh all you know afflictions are, are just one imbalance or another right and when you're integrated with the vertical and balanced with the horizontal you're fully able to maneuver in any direction in order to achieve balance see how that works visually you can picture that mm -hmm. but then you put that into what we're talking about what what the what the vertical and what the horizontal are you know the ancestral forces and the natural forces like you you, you stay balanced with those forces in order to affect change for yourself for your loved ones for your community and for your patients that's it that's literally it and and, and then of course there are works that that we can do oh you know i'm trying to do this oh well let's do this and try and shore it up for you oh i'm working toward this oh well you know just like a hunter before they go into the bush they 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 work their medicine and they you know like okay we're on our way to go try and feed the family let's make sure that we find the biggest deer as fast as possible with no whammies no hitches you know it's the same thing just and, and so that's Paulo in a nutshell divination uh spiritual healing and and, and spiritual works you know and, and and then the other dialectic there is that we have healers ganga you know or or you have indoki witch you know and and we do the same stuff for different reasons a witch is somebody who's uh, willing to objectify a fellow human being for any reason. And when you understand that, you realize, oh, wow, we've all been guilty of that at one time or another. Um, and there are ways out from under that. That's why we have these things like cleanings and other works in order to achieve balance, to restore balance for a person. Because, you know, being guilty of witchcraft will put you out of balance. Hey, Jimmy, real, real quick, just to kind of interject on that point, are, mm -hmm. uh, are witches um, looked down upon uh, for that well, reason? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. the thing is, this is all community-based therapy. Mm -hmm. and, and within the community, enemies stand out. You understand? What's good for the community is good for the people in it, right? But a witch is serving their own ends. 
A witch mm-hmm. looks at a fellow human being within the community and sees a means to an end or an obstacle or whatever, anything mm-hmm. but a human. Right. So, you know, contrary to popular belief that that the, that the Congos, you know, the heart of darkness and all mm-hmm. that and the black magic and, you know, being known as like the most nefarious, you know, sorcerers on the planet. It's our notion that when you first objectify a fellow human being, you are guilty of witchcraft. Mm. In other words, don't objectify your fellow human beings, man. And, you know, and then it's like, okay, whoops, I did it. You know, people objectify their loved ones. Yeah. In the act of loving them. <laughs> Sometimes. M- modern notions of love in general are, are, are uh, w- it's witchcraft to us. If you think that you love somebody when you first meet them, you're a witch. Okay. Because you're looking at that person as some kind of like, oh, they complete me. They make me happy. No, they're not your happiness. That's a full human being, not your happiness. You see what I'm saying? They don't complete you. You were complete before you met them. You're a witch. Love is a process of mutual growth. You see what I mean? That's love. That's stuff that people talk about nowadays. That's witchcraft. Objectifying each other for their own pleasure. And, and that's the thing. Like That's what a witch does. They, they serve themselves instead of the community. And this is done, you know, now we're circling back to like why you want to conceive children properly, you know, because when two people come together and they're not balanced, that's what lacks. That's what, you know, limits a person's N'Golo, which is that that healing power, that sovereignty, that that, you know, life force that we're talking about. That's limited at your conception, guys. So it's too late. You know what I mean? There are ways to to regenerate more, which is, you know, creating balance between opposing forces. But. The sad truth is it's too late for people. So anyone out there burning up their energy, you know, for no good reason, it's just, you know, there's just no good reason for it, you know. But so when you understand this, you realize that if your life force is limited too much, it's going to force you into being a witch. It's going to force you into stealing other people's energy because you lack your own. Right. And when you lack sovereignty, it's going to turn you into a dictator because you're going to have to force your ways on people because you don't have control of your own life. So you have to force your ways. You see? So Paulo really is all about the kids, man. You know, people get into it because they want to be a big, bad brujo or whatever. Or they have some like Halloween type image in their mind of like, I'm going to, you know, same reason like kids that are picked on in school become cops. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. I mean, but that that's not a healer. That's a witch, man. You know, and, and let's let's talk about why paleros are, are known and why, you know, Petro Budu is known for just being a bunch of witches in the first place or, or why paleros will look down at Santeros and Babalaos and such for being nothing but, you know, diviners. The simple fact is when, you know, with the slave trade, Atlantic slave trade, the, the, the West Africans came over here in number, of course, but. In that number, there weren't a lot of their uh, Agungun fellows or any of the other, like the Insibidi guys, the 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 uh, the people who dealt with the the, the dead and, and dealt with the punitive side of uh, society. You know, handing out justice mm-hmm. when people are disruptive in the community. You know, that that's see, that's the thing. That's the true purpose of these uh 
clans that are known for being witch clans is that those initially were the judges, you know, and they still are by and large, like the Abaqua in Cuba, the Ekpe Society in, in the Calabar region of Africa, you know, the the Egungun and the Insibidi guys in Nigeria and Benin, the Zengbeto, the Kebi Kebi, the, the, the Bizongo and Sampuel societies in, in, in Haiti. Those are all judge clans where you bring, you know, uh, you bring a, a, a complaint against somebody and, and they hand out justice, right? The problem arises when those people go out and do what they do in order to just serve their own ends instead of restoring balance within the community. And mm-hmm. that's the only difference between a judge and a witch is the reason why they do what they do. They do the same thing. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if I'm hearing you right, there's just a lot of witches running around out there. When you understand that all it takes to be a witch is to objectify a fellow human being. I mean, have you been in traffic lately? <laughs> We're surrounded on all sides by witches, even in our families. I mean, and that's just, a, you know, that's not some horror show. That's just a fact once you understand the definition of the word. Mm-hmm. You know, witches and dictators. So, Jimmy, um, mm-hmm. you're very, you know, your primary focus, from what I understand, is your community. Uh, exactly. But you do maintain an online presence uh, to, to attempt to. For the public. Uh, for the public, to help, uh, to help others and maybe. Maybe those people be, will become part of your community at some point. But how can people find you? Some of them have, in fact. Yeah, I mean, same way. Yeah, how can they find me? I'm, well, I mean, you just described one way. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I maintain a presence on, on the Instagram. You know, I had to do away with any other kind of social media platforms because it was too time consuming for me. And, and I'm prone to getting in, you know, long winded arguments with strangers. But uh, the reality is, you know, if you if you go to my Instagram, my phone number's on there. You know, you, potions, powders, and sundries is what it's called. Potions, yeah, powders, yeah, right. and sundries. Potions, it's also a great place sundries. to come to if you're interested in wisdom, because Jimmy posts, um, you know, in uh, uh, proverbs and uh, insights and aphorisms that are very useful if you love wisdom, and also the uh, the images are often compelling and interesting. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know, it, for me, having that account is just, you know, I mean, back in the day, it might have been a, a brick and mortar, you know, shop or something. But, you know, I'm going with the times. It's just part of having an open door policy. And so in terms of like what if people have certain issues, they can come to you, right? Like what, what can you help with for people? What, well, in your like medicine- I said, there's, there's no there's no aspect of life outside our purview. So and. and you know, if a person is suffering, you know, the, the best thing to do is look into it. That's where it all starts. You, you, you know, if you're like, yo, I've been to the doctor, I've been to my priest, I've been to my rabbi, you know, I, I don't know. Just for instance, you know, I, I've tried to figure this out with my friends and family and or, you know, I, I burn sage and I, you know, it's just whatever. You know what I mean? Like if people it, 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 you'd be surprised, you know, I get. Like people in their 70s and 80s and like across the ocean that are like, look, something told me to call New Orleans and, you know, uh, somebody gave me your number and here we are. And I, What I can say is that, you know, people that need the medicine, they find it. That's just how it is. 
it's it's not something that you go out looking for because you want to confirm what a badass you are or, or because you know you don't like the you know the the ways of your family or you know you know what i mean and and that's another reason why i'm on there is because a lot of people end up in these communities before they even understand that it is a community and that there are things expected of them and that there are things that they have responsibilities and that that there are that you know that you have to accept the community for what it is and not what you want it to be and that this isn't just a free-for-all you know sprint you know it's a relay you hand the baton you know one candle lights the next one so Mm. you but if somebody's having trouble with work or family problems or health problems or I don't know, maybe even love problems. They can come to you. You look okay. into it. Through you're, you're, you're asking me to spell it out, right? So, <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I'm asking you to spell I, it out. Yeah. I, I, I recently, I, I recently made a, a, a funny poster. So I say strong work for, or excuse me, strong medicine for work, legal and love matters. Envy and the evil eye, insomnia, depression, snake bite, witchcraft, debauchery, bad breath, <laughs> night terrors, alienation and the blues okay in other words you know if you're suffering holler i mean that's the general idea of somebody in my position that's that's our function in the in, within the community is to is to keep the medicine fresh and strong and available that's it that's wonderful awesome, awesome. well thank you so much for coming on the show it was a really intriguing conversation and we covered a lot here I feel sure. like we went around the world. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you're, you know, it's also an interesting life story you've had. And I think that, you know, a modern day medicine man really in New Orleans doing work to really heal and help and knit back together. And in our fragmented postmodern world, I think the that kind of work is even more needed right now than ever before. Well said. I, so, I agree with you, buddy. Hey, so Tata, ta, yeah, thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. That was really generous of you to to give us this time and uh, educate us and our listeners. Well, it was fun. It's a pleasure, man. I hope you guys, uh, you know, I hope you uh, uh, I hope it works out for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was a special man. Jimmy, he's a great guy. Potions, powders, and sundries on Instagram. Excellent speaker, eloquent, direct, obviously coming from decades of practical experience. And the thing I love about him is that he is so practically and intimately engaged with his community. I've come to be friends with him personally, and I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, He's a sincere, honest person who is truly concerned with benefiting other people. And he's a modern day medicine man, in short. And uh, I admire his resolve and his commitment. You know, this is somebody who isn't out there hawking wares on the internet. He has a presence on Instagram, but that's about it. And on, on, on Instagram, he's mostly sharing wisdom a lot of the time. And uh, very rarely uh, selling things uh, because, again, he's engaged with an actual local community and meet space, real people that come to him on a daily basis with their real life challenges and concerns. And he addresses them and he plays an integral role among his people as a true 
medicine man does. And I admire that. I respect it. Also, another thing we didn't even really get into that I want to mention is he makes some really high quality perfumes. He's really into perfumery um, and ouds and things like that. I mean, Jimmy will spend years developing uh, perfumes from natural resins and botanicals and things like that. It's really, it's really cool. It's really cool to see his passion for that. And again, that's an extension of his interaction with the natural world. I enjoyed speaking with him. I know you did too, Dom. And um, I'd love to have him on again. Yeah. I mean, he's just super down to earth. His passion is, is infectious. I love talking to guests like that. You could just tell that he's just really into what he does and he's been doing it for a long time. I mean, the really cool thing about him is he is kind of a man of the people, man of the streets. Um, I mean, he told us as much about his background, but at the same time, super intelligent and and very well versed in the tradition and the practice that he's um, come to be involved in. I mean, he he could teach a college course on this literally. So it was really fun to listen to him. I could have listened to him for another hour or two. Yes, for sure. Definitely, without a doubt. Um, and yeah, he's a, he's a great example of somebody who who is um, has his feet on the ground, is down to earth, yet at the same time is educated, articulate, and intelligent. So he's able to translate back and forth very easily. And I mentioned before that translation, in my opinion is always an indication of, of a genuine practitioner who's in contact with transpersonal forces. So the book I want to talk about is a book by Avalonia Press called The Book of Gold. It's a translation of a 17th century French magical work with numerous amulets, charms, spells, prayers, uh, and also seals or sigils for working with the saints. It has some connections to the Sefer Shemush Tehillim, the magical use of the Psalms, which found its way into the six and seventh books of Moses. Um, and even and he even has some interesting relation to uh, earlier works. Um, seems to have some wor- uh, connections to um, even earlier, like uh, Jewish and Greek magic and things like that. But it's, it's really a comprehensive workbook on um, using the Psalms for spiritual or magical objectives. It's very useful. Um, some of the Psalms also have different uh, esoteric practices that you do along with them, names of God you're supposed to say. So let's, I'll just take a few examples here. If someone falls in need, let him read the Psalm seven times every day, and he will be delivered through the grace of God. That's Psalm 64. Someone has a toothache or has a fractured bone. Let him take some date stones to a crossroad and let him read out the above Psalms seven times until a certain point in the Psalm. Let him perfume his face with smoke and he will be healed in the moon and hour as indicated. I'll pick one more. If you wish to avoid scandal and strife, read this seven times and write these characters and perfume them with mastic and carry them upon you with the moon and the appropriate sign. So it's not complicated magic, but it's useful. And the Psalms have a very long history of being used in in magical practices. 
and you know at least and there there's indications that many of the psalms probably have an egyptian origin some may have babylonian origins so i mean we're dealing with again a long tradition of of use and people don't do things over and over again for long periods of time if there isn't effectiveness it's a very useful book interesting book uh it's just interesting to even use it also has some excellent appendices analysis of psalm use by frequency it has a, an appendix that gives you really a breakdown a, a precious of all the uses of the psalm so you have stuff for friendship being welcomed by a prince curing over eating healing eye pain controlling an untrusted mistress destroying the effect of an enchantment protection from beasts all the classics protection of a vineyard <laughs> you know it's a it's a great book it's really interesting um for those people who are interested in using the psalms and the use of the psalms i personally think that there's not there aren't many but aren't many better more useful books out there than this it's worth spending the money on i don't remember it's 1999 i think uk so it might be a little bit more in america but it's worth the money if you can find a copy i recommend getting it of course the ever excellent avalonia books are the publishers and um this was this book was uh translated and edited and annotated by david rankin and paul henry baron so the commentary is excellent too because it talks about how um the sefer shemush tehillim uses these psalms and then they'll also if if these psalms are used on a pentacle a magical pentacle they'll make that reference and they'll also talk about if the psalms are used in any consecrations of magical implements in books like the key of solomon so you're getting not only the translation of the book but an extensive commentary under each psalm that goes into detail on other uses of the same psalm and other magical works so it's you're almost getting two books in one there because it's like you have these people who went through the trouble of excavating the uses of these psalms and these other sources which is really helpful and also gives you a more comprehensive view of the esoteric view of the esoteric use of these psalms it's called the book of gold again le livre d'or and uh published by avalonia press i strongly recommend it awesome sounds great Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, you can find us on YouTube. Maybe you're listening to us there now. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, all the other places, but you know where to find us. So find us there. Apparently you already have. Uh, feel free to subscribe, like, give us ratings, that kind of thing. That's always appreciated. Um, other than that, um, just thanks once again. Any final words? just want to thank all of our listeners across the world we're humbled and honored by you we're grateful to you and um you know lots of many blessings to all of you